makes you such a threat? We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with good feelings in my heart and the whole world is a beautiful day. It's good for all of us to be here and let the people hear your voice respectfully and celebrate life. And this is First Voices Radio, and I send you greetings and strength from the east gate of Turtle Island, where the sun and the water touch the earth at once. And I'm your host, Teokasin Ghost Horse. This is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio now, and its 28th year broadcasting. And Liz Hill is First Voice Voices Radio's outstanding producer. Again, always just uh, getting us our guest and, you know, working it that way someplace that I couldn't go as fast, and it took me days to do this, but uh, I'm glad she's here. And you can now hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, and as well as First Voices, IndigenousRadio.org. And you can hear us internationally on Savizar Contemporary in Berlin and Potsdam, Germany. 
Um, well, our first guest uh, is an initiated elder. And in the Dagara tradition from Burkina Faso in West Africa, and he's a frequent guest here. He's also a producer and partner in Moja and Media Works. Media Works developing the World Ancestor Con- Concert. He's always talking, and I see him and talk to him, uh, write, you know, communicate as best as we can We pre- as he presents discussions and workshops uh, through the Men's Work Initiative, engaging patriarchy and men's violence against women and the LGBTQ community. He's... He's taught cultural media studies, video production for a long time and has been active in a Pan-African movement, Black Lives Matter, and other anti-racism work in the Occupy, Decolonize, to liberate movements. And uh, he's uh, also presented at spiritual conferences uh, in the New England, California, Barbados, and other places. He creates a ceremony, Boston, New York, Toronto. And uh, he also can be reached at uh, Facebook, Twitter, or at his email is ukumbwa.gmail.com, A-K-U-M-B-W-A at gmail.com. His current work is worldancestorconcert.com and uh, on Facebook and also glo- global media network platforms. I'd like to welcome you back again, Ukumba Sauti. It's always nice and great to have you here because I know we can sit, sit and talk if we were together sitting, talking, it'd be an all-day affair, but we are we are here talking and we're going to be, you know, just having a conversation. What, what I like to do, Kumba, uh, I know I didn't pr- uh, set this up for you, is uh, the fact that, you know, I, I really don't go to the experts, the PhDs. The, I, I try to stay away from that mindset and want to talk to somebody, have a conversation about what they think of the current situation, what's going on now. You know, and that sort of mindset to bring us well, into um, the current. Actually, your voice is um, just going in and out a bit, um, um, Tiogasen. And the last thing I heard is what's going on. <laughs> so I'm going to um, kind of connect with that right now. And uh, hopefully, your voice will come back uh, and let me know. Um, maybe <laughs> jump in from time to time. But uh, one of the things that's going on. Um, from my direction here um, is that there is uh, an awareness that we have in the Dagra, uh, you know, cosmology and the Dagra culture about this year uh, being an Earth year. And one of the things that that brings us into awareness of is the um, characteristics of, of, of culture, of identity, of being grounded, being centered with the Earth, um, having compassion for each other. Um, being aware of community, being connected to community, to caretaking, um, things like that, and, and there are many things, of course, that have happened that have happened in this uh, past year, this year that we're still seemingly struggling through. So many of us um, that call us into that space of being more aware of each other, being more in compassion for each other. And, and living in a way that's really in integrity with each other and with ourselves to really live our full humanity as who we are and to, to bring, I guess, and, and I will say in some ways, a militant connection, um, a loving connection, a, a revolutionary connection, a radical connection to the earth again in a way that, um, that challenges the way that modernity has pulled us away from the things of the earth, the things of nature, the things of spirit. 
and and also what that means is the uh, connection to each other. And I think there's been a great challenge, though there's been many positive things that have happened this year, there is still a great challenge for us to connect with each other in a way that, that helps us uh, live in great uh, greater um, integrity and authenticity on our tenancy um, on this earth right now. Um, we know that's challenged right now because of um, uh, global warming, because of capitalist destruction of um, of our uh, ecosystems, things like that, the burning uh, colonial, uh, many times colonial set burnings of, of our forests, the lungs of the earth, um, the fouling of the waters with plastics. Um, I just saw two articles that mentioned they found uh, microplastics in uh, women's placentas. Um, so we're finding this attack on humanity, this attack on spirit <coughs> and the earth itself, and this um, uh, this Earth Year has called us into greater awareness of all that, but we need to find a way to be in action with each other, to be in again in compassion and understanding, to listen to the stories of our of our fullest humanity, um, so that we can move forward in a way that's most beautiful and most powerful on this Earth. Okay, um, let's see here. Um, it's, it's fine over here. Um, if you do hear me, um, if you can hear me. I'd like to really emphasize the fact that many people are looking for this antidote. This, this. I, yes. Yes. If you're speaking, I'm not hearing you. Okay. Are you there? Hello. Returning to our guests as soon as possible. I've been fighting for so long in the shade. It's my home And I've been killing Whether right or wrong Between two sides I'm drawn and owned And a god That has left me alone I am no one And I'll die Wanted man 
in the shed is my home and i've been killing whether right or wrong carrying on destructive traditions we've been taking turns falling into ourselves soft as we've been there's no cushioning our falls there was a crazy lady shouting from the sidelines you can't take it with you so why take it now it's all one big insane mistake being made here wage slaves must escape this lifeless cycle rage master spews his meaningless promises acidic lies blinding to the mind's eye surrendering living to submission's get by look at yourself in dismal pretense pretending freedom as though that's a defense there was a crazy lady shouting from the sidelines there are no secrets here only shames and disgraces pavlov's rats snicker at what you don't recognize you only see what the mirror wants you to see craving upward mobility means someone's tied down weird bondage trips in straight-laced fashion business as usual keeps cracking its profit whip in the marketplaces of products you're the main product obedience pays but it doesn't pay enough to break even not much of a trade getting ahead for losing your mind there was a crazy lady shouting from the sidelines babylon is doing again what it's always done before fronting its dark side with more new pretty plastic telling you the ticket to heaven is do what they say don't look at their hands if you can't handle blood don't look at their heart if you can't stand the cold each lie you embrace means you blind yourself to a truth burdening yourself picking up carrying babylon's deceit paradox living without vision dying to see the light while the sun's on fire and we're part of the sun and that's john trudell with uh, shouting from the sidelines and before that was wanted man by edgy and delila which are part of the last international now we're going to try this technical thing again maybe ukumbo is there i'm not too sure Okay, um, yeah, would you, um, we got interrupted, and I don't know why, it just stopped here, so now we have you back, and I can barely hear you, but uh, we'll, I can enough to have a conversation, so I'd like to finish, or, you know, kind of go with what we were talking about, uh, you know, what, what are people doing, they're looking for a uh, instant gratification, something to an antidote to what's going on now. But I don't know if America has really understood what isolation is about. And I right. think um, I've heard some people say, well, this is a new kind of PTSD that I, we, we really don't understand, but we're going to address it the old way um, where, you know, as a country, because of the last four years, even more than that, people are only blaming it on the last four years, that right. it, this is, America is an isolationist policy because it only works for a few. Can, can you, you know, go with that thought? Yeah, I, I think for sure. And then thank you for raising that. Um, I think there, there is definitely this isolationist, you know, American exceptionalist kind of idea that's coming from, you know, the United States settler colony at this time and actually since its inception, um, you know, where we say, you know, we are a nation of this or that, we're a country, we're a, we're a conglomerate of whatever they say we are. 
um, when we think about it being born in genocide and, and uh, built upon um, the exploitation of African bodies and, and of course, the genocide and land theft of, of indigenous people of Turtle Island, um, and, you know, a, a settler colony nation that that puts forth individualism as a uh, as a virtue, um, and you know we can think about the Marlboro Man or that uh, that rugged cowboy that's always on his own out in the um, on the in the West as you know this expression of manifest destiny. There's built into this society a concept of isolation, even though there's no way to ever be isolated if we look at the. Um, the lessons of, of the earth, of nature, of spirit, we know that there are always, uh, you know, uh, that there is always community for us, that there is always the opportunity for us to connect. And at this time, we are very dependent upon some technical things, of which we were seeing some glitches, you know, just recently here. Uh, but we are not finding that we have deep and abiding connections of community um, across the board in this kind of a nation or in any colonial colonized or colonial spaces, um, one of the things that it depends upon is our separation. And and it, it clearly depends on that for people who have been historically and presently oppressed. So we find that that's really one of our challenges now. And even though we are able through certain technologies to connect with each other, you know, and, and to, you know, find some kind of solace in each other, we are truly missing, you know, the really grounded connection of community um, of time over time, which is why our, our ancestors are so important to us to guide us through this kind of blip in history right now, which which clearly is, is central to our being. But in the long history of humanity, um, this modern times, these times of very deep oppression over the last 500 years or so, um, are a blip in the total. Um, history of humanity, but but that's part of what we have to really ground ourselves in, ground ourselves in traditional culture, and ground ourselves in the best that the ancestors have pointed us to, so that we can find ways to to really reconnect with each other, to really have a way of looking each other in each other's eyes, even within certain communities that you know where we might be more culturally connected, um, not even outside of certain communities, but within our eyes to be able to see our full humanity together so that we can start to recreate and revitalize the cultures that have kept us on this earth for so long. So this idea of isolation is not only somewhat of a fantasy narrative, but it is one that we've bought into. We've bought into this and we've been able to isolate ourselves in ways that is really unhealthy. And then even, you know, modern, you know, psychological and sociological studies show that we're really hurting. We're really hurting from this breakdown. And we find that we're breaking down from it because we're not connecting with the earth um, in deep ways, which means we're not connecting with each other in deep ways. We're not finding the, the lessons of nature and the earth and of the sacred waters inside of us so that we can see the integral way that we can be connected to each other in really fulfilling and powerful ways. Okumba, what I'm really sensing is, you know, something that reaching back, but there is a, a limit or an expiration date or even a start date. It's good until, as you see on products, it's good up until, you know, a certain date and then after, after it may not be, may not be any good. That seems to be what's going on, the expiration date. And many people won't like this, but I'm going to say that this, this country, this nation, and I asked the question earlier, and, and I've been asking this for several days now, um, 
does America have a creation story, you know? And look where our mind goes right when, when I ask that. It goes right to either 1776 or some rationale thereof. But when you look at it, how was it really formed when it goes back to the papal bulls? Your thoughts? Yeah, I, I, I think it definitely has a creation story, but it, but we could go into the nuance of that, that it has a destruction story, it has a theft story. It has, it does have an expiration date because it is not connected to the fullest um, extent to what the earth needs, what the people of the earth need. Um, so I think there is a creation story. I, I call it a fantasy narrative uh, because, you know, of course, in the papal bulls, when the Roman Catholic Church decided that any nation that was not Christian at the time could be subjugated and the land was considered terra nullius, it was actually, um, they considered it empty, even though there were human beings there. They were uh, successful and powerful and, and, and functional, fundamentally beautiful cultures happening all over the world. Um, European colonialism decided to go with that because that's where it you know, was born. So there's this uh, creation story that comes out of that. That that very deep destruction of of humanity and that and that exploitation of land, um, that use of the current technologies of of seafaring, um, and 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 soon guns, metal things like that that help them to dominate, um, and also you know if you will the the viral uh, and bacterial load that Europeans brought with them that weakened the the um, cultures and the peoples of uh, Turtle Island here, so yes. There is a creation story, but it's a fantasy narrative. Uh, when we look at the Mayflower Compact, um, you know, and, and look at the ludicrous nature of the Mayflower Compact, or when we think about what Manifest Destiny actually was, which is alive in every single Western movie that's been created from the time films were created, and and even to current times, there is a there is a land theft, a land entitlement concept that comes from uh, European. Colonialism, even um, current westerns as as recent as Yellowstone, uh, with Kevin Costner. So yes, there's a creation story that they have to functionally um, persuade into every generation that it's real. And when we connect to the earth, when we connect to the fullest part of humanity, we know that it's a fantasy. We know that there is an expiration date on this country, and that's that's not something that a lot of people don't know. That's a lot of things that people want to avoid, but there is an expiration date on it um, when we don't have a sustainable human-based, earth-based, spirit-based connection to all that is, we are going to find that things are running out. We're running out of time. We're running out of our ability to be on this earth in a sensible way because we have not reconnected to largely, uh, have not reconnected to the sustainable practices that uh, not only our ancestors set up, but, but you know, uh, beyond that, some of us have reconnected to in the meantime, even in these modern, modern times, to find ways of being here on the earth in a good way. So I think there is that creation story, but it's a negative one. But we've been convinced that it's positive. We're, we've been convinced that unlimited growth actually works, or, or better life through chemistry actually works. But they don't, and it can be proven very, very simply and easily. We're speaking with Okumbwa Sauti, a friend and conversant, I could say, over the years here. And uh, 
you know, he comes from the Daguerre tradition. And I'm thinking about, you know, the, the DNA, so to, sp- to speak, and the energy that you, ha- you carry from Mother Africa as we indigenous folks car- carry this energy from here. And then there are the people in between, so to speak, um, who were fled in, in fear. They fled with ideas um, that they brought here, fear. And now we want to rationalize that democracy works here. That's why I have programs like, like, you know, call democracy or whatever. But what, what happens to the folks that are left out? We're always talking about what we can't do. And we talk about a lack of a sort of a, a, a myth of scarcity or a scarcity myth where we're, we're only using the language to feed this uh, myth of scarcity. Your thoughts? Yeah. Um, you know, that myth of scarcity is something I've struggled with also, and I still struggle with that. And one of the things that uh, not only brings me hope, but brings me proof and brings us all proof about that scarcity is, a, is, is mythological and is also wrong on, on the face of the earth. And all one has to do is look at, uh, well, let's say two things. We can go to an urban farm, and most urban farms that I know of are run by people of color, African people, um, uh, black people. Um, sometimes, you know, in, in the urban centers, they're run by indigenous people or, or with indigenous people and African people, um, sometimes others. Uh, but when we see the production that the earth brings, when we give it what it needs, it's amazing. I know people with personal um, gardens that cannot eat everything they grow even in a small, conservative-sized um, garden. Um, and we know this when, uh, and it happened during the uh, pandemic, when we stopped uh, exploiting the earth in a particular kind of way, certain parts of the earth, certain wildlife started showing up in different ways. It bounced back and quickly. And when we leave any part that, you know, even if we leave a building or a car in the backyard, that car will turn into a jungle with growth all over it, with plants coming up through those through the floor and through the windows and through the ceiling. And, and as I've always said, one of the things that brings me such great hope is when I, you know, I'm walking down the street and I see that blade of grass coming through the concrete because uh, natural life in, in, in beauty and spirit will not be stopped, will not be stopped. And that is in us too as human beings. And we need to look at the wellspring of that, um, to that these, these original instructions, these indigenous ways, these traditional ways that um, is, as I've always said, the the longest-running peer-reviewed system on the face of the earth is indigenous culture, and that's what we all were before European colonialism started to, to disintegrate us from those traditions and from those cultures and from those life ways. So I think there is a tremendous uh, amount of information, you know, natural data, natural spiritual information that we can come to that helps us understand that we can fight this myth, mythology of scarcity, and come into an abundance on the earth, not only of material things, not only of food, not only of housing, not only of the things we need to be uh, taken care of as human beings, but also love and compassion and understanding and, and real um, integrated senses of what our, what our arts and music and dance mean to us, that it's integrated into our lives and it tells stories that help us to be here in a great way. And if we look back and forward, that's what we, we can tap into. And that's what I, I feel is the hope of moving past that, um, that uh, scarcity myth. Okumba, 
back in the 2000, 2005-ish um, era, I read something there, which I looked for the report. I could not find, but it basically said that there are more domesticated or tame animals in the United States than there are wild. It's starting to drop out again. All right. Um, there are more tame animals in the United States than there are in the wild. And now I'm reading something about that the human-made materials now outweigh all living things on Earth. So if you can go, hear that, um, what do you think about that? Can you repeat that last part again, please? It, you started to drop out again. Okay. Our uh, human-made materials, things that humans created, now outweigh all living things on Earth. Right, right that biomass difference. Yeah, I, I think that's uh, something for us to really look at. Um, and when we think about what the Earth can create, what the Earth has created, and what we've destroyed in the meantime, we really have to look at how we've distorted the creations of the Earth. Uh, there are sort of miscreations uh, that we have brought into being. Um, there are cultures that make things, like that build homes that are, uh, that will that they know will degrade in time because it's part of what keeps their culture together to help each other create more homes because they're they're not worried about the materials because they're living in um, balance with their environment but uh, what they're doing is being able to live on the earth in a way that uh, that is uh, if you will recyclable um, sustainable so I think this issue of that we've created more man-made biomass and and I think one of the things you might have been suggesting is we have more domesticated animals than wild animals possibly in the world speaks to the domination of human beings and we can look at the history of that. That's not a generalized thing around the world. There are people, plenty of people in Peru, Brazil, you know, in China and in Africa that are that are not producers of this system, that are not sustainers of this uh, destructive system of, of colonialism, which is based in um, Europe at this time, Europe and the United States and, and other settler colonial states, um, and this corporatism that has created this destruction. So we really have to look at how we're creating things that do not exist in harmony with the earth itself and even with humans themselves. I mean, again, this issue that uh, microplastics are showing up in women's uh, and, and um, people who are able to give birth, you know, to their into their placentas, is profound, and it has to be really listened to. Uh, the North Pacific um, garbage gyre, you know, the plastics in the water should have been enough. There are plenty of things that should have been enough, but we're not finding the impetus to really get moving and to get in action to really change this system and to really come back and go forward with the earth in a way that makes sense for, for living, you know, on, on this uh, earth at this time. Well, Okumba, we need to go on to our next guest. It's always just an honor to hear your, your words. I wouldn't say they're wise or knowledgeable or informational. They're more experienced from you uh, as from your people, from who you are, from those same peoples is that that comes through a lot. And I want to thank you and honor you for your words throughout the years and especially through this year. Thank you. Thank you, Teokas, and always honored to be here. Thank you. 
And this is First Voices Radio. My name is Teokasan Ghost Horse. That was a Kumba Sauti. And there's many ways to get a hold of him. You can spell it U-K-U-M-B-W-A-S-A-U-T-I. And uh, Google that or however you find somebody online. And uh, again, listen to the first part of this radio program and you'll find his information there. And he works quite a bit with a lot of people throughout the world. And I'm going to, you know, come back to you in just a bit. Coyote here on First Voices Radio. Welcome back. We had only a few minutes to talk last time. I think we did a real quick introduction and then had a song. Um, but now we're playing Two Worlds. It's very meaningful to hear um, this to me, Cody, would be a tragedy still happening. But I want to bring you on since you're, you're, you're and I, I don't like to put the youth group or the old group or the middle group, is that we're humans and this energy exists here and we're all living it right now. So I wanted to bring you back for a little longer discussion because I thought your, your insights were very welcoming to listeners out there. And because you have your own radio show and you've been multi-award nominated and winning hip-hop and electronic artist, uh, Ojibwa and Irish 
descent with ancestry from a Natach Ewan. I hope I'm saying that right. First Nation in Ontario. And the last time we talked, it was about your music video, Mani Dewagan. And uh, that became the number one hit in Indigenous Music Countdown in January of this year, uh, 12 months ago. And uh, so this fusion that I just heard... The, the, the accompaniment and the sounds that they're making now, it's very grasping and moves you, basically. And I wanted to bring you back because there's, there's things to talk about. You know, let's, let's go with the, the latest one because I know you had success with the Money Dude, The Way Again, and now you have this new one called Two Worlds, but you're also working on those as usual. So what is the meaning behind Two Worlds, Cody? And welcome to First Voices, by the way. Oh, miigwech. Thank you. It's, uh, it's great to be back on. And, um, yeah, with, with Two Worlds, it's really talking about navigating a colonial world and an indigenous world while being somebody who is quote-unquote mixed, right? So, like, my my mother was Irish, uh, my father's Ojibwe, and navigating those two worlds were, uh, you know, were difficult at times because, like, for example, like one of the, the bars in the song is like, cut off my granny because she didn't like daddy. Like my, my grandmother had prejudice towards my father and uh, towards myself and my, my younger brothers, which is quite unfortunate to, to say, you know, but having like racism within my own family, um, really trying to navigate that was a little bit tricky, you know, at times. But later on in life, figuring out that it could creep into uh, relationships, you know, like... I had been with somebody who was non-Indigenous and some of her family members had prejudice towards me, but, you know, I moved past that and now I'm, I'm moving forward in my own way, right? So it was really putting some closure to that. But, it's yeah. very, and it's very interesting how, as you as a younger person are understanding, you know, this bias or prejudice or even racism, as you say, but is there a system in Canada, as you and I know what the answer would be, but a lot of people don't even go there. They don't have the time to go there to to see what advantage they have because they say, well, we don't have racism here. We're, we're all good, loving Christians, Americans, Canadians, and besides, we give you the money and, you know, everything should be okay now. Here's a shot, you know, a shot of alcoholism, a shot of medicine, a shot of, you know, some addictive food behavior. Here's a shot so that you accept our system even easier than you have. Um, so you won't suffer like you, like your ancestors did. That seems to be an old, worn out, antiquated uh, redundant uh, phrase, terminology that they're using. Yet, as a younger person, what I'm feeling is there is another way to look at this. Would you suggest some? Yeah, like you know, I'm really with this with this single. Like, take it for example, right? Like, I I know that people they're they're really like complicit with uh, with the privileges that they have, you know people who are of settler descent, like they, they think that, you know, them living in today's age is going to excuse the things that had happened that their ancestors did. It's like, no, you're, you're held accountable because you benefit from what has happened by your ancestors coming over and doing all this harm towards indigenous people. Right. And, um, you know, really trying to like navigate that. I think it's, it's just like important to have open dialogue about, what those privileges are and, um, you know, how they're benefiting still, 
off of uh, the lives of indigenous people, you know? Yeah, I, I really hear that. Is there, I think, Cody, is is there, I mean, it, our, when my experience is, is that we have to come up with softer language as native people, as indigenous peoples, to not rock the boat so much as, you know, put our toes in the water outside of the boat to say there's another thing going on here, because that toe in the water is the ocean, and we've been taught to stay within the confines of reasoning and thought processes of the Western hemisphere, uh, not hemisphere, the Western, the Europe, Euro-Western mind. And I think there's, there's a lot going on now with the youth and even older people that, that just are tired of this soft language because we didn't get it soft as Native people. It came to us hard, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And it was unexpected, right? And like, I often tell people like, you know, when they're trying to grasp the, the whole concept of what has happened, it's like, picture somebody coming over to your house uninvited, just making their way into your home, taking everything that you own and leaving you with nothing. You know, that's exactly what has happened in so-called Canada and so-called United States of America, you know. And uh, the more that people try to, like, visualize that and put themselves in that uh, situation, you know, they're going to start to understand a little bit more about what we're going through and the hardships that we face. Like, we've had to, had to, you know, lessen what we want to say to try to meet them where they're at. But I'm at the point where it's like, no, like, you should just be able to, to manifest this. Like, if you feel uncomfortable, good. Feel uncomfortable. Feel discomfort. Feel that. I've been feeling that my whole life as an Indigenous person, you know. So, like, with these people that are, like, you know... um, being very fragile and they're carrying that, that fragility of the situation. It's, it's, uh, centering their voices over ours, you know, and we gotta, we gotta check that as soon as it happens. Be like, no, like just, just listen to what I have to say. It's not up for debate, you know? And that's the biggest part is that people think it's up for debate when we're sharing our truth. It's like, no, just listen, take a seat, take it in. Find out what you're going to do afterwards, right? Yeah. It's one of the things that you're trying to do afterwards is, again, you, you have this, one of your topics is called uh, Healing Through Art. And, and I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that it's music that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Definitely. You know, like when I, when I do those presentations and like the school boards and I've gone to like detention centers and done that, like just sharing my truth, um, like uh, near the boy one, like my my truth, like what I've been through, and uh, how art played a really valid piece in that healing journey. Like when I found music, when I found poetry, when I found lyricism, I found my voice. And I'm at that point where it's like anything that I put out, I'm not going to put it out and be like, "Ooh, you know what? I think I'm going to have to cater to um, this uh, Western mindset." You know, I want to meet them where they're at. No, I'm going to say what's real. I'm going to say what's raw, what's rugged, and I'm going to be in your face about it, you know, because it's time for people to be able to step up and uh, and utilize their voices to the, the fullest in order for that positive change to, to happen and for things to be corrected. You know? So you're really looking out to what I would say is the indigenous medicine that's offered there already. And it seems in your first video, the last time we talked to you, that's what you were doing. You were looking to your traditional ways. And many people, even native people, young people, find that often hard because, um, you know, it's it's like I tell Americans, like, 
find your people, know who you are, but then it's too hard to go back to those countries economically or maybe they don't want to go as deep because it's easier to be American. It's easier to be addicted to the ideals of what America is supposedly standing for because you're getting the privilege out of those ideals uh, as a Canadian, as as an American. But when it comes to Native, it's not cut and dry for us. And I think one thing that we are missing is how we, how did we do this? And, and as you offered, your medicine is to go back to the traditions again and healing through art is probably that. Is this, is this what you talk about on your radio show in Ottawa? Yeah. Yeah. Like with, with my show, like uh, it's called the beat. It's on 95.7 element FM. And, uh, I talk about anything and everything. You know, and that's that's the beautiful part about it is that I have the freedom to do so. So if I feel like something, you know, is uh, is happening in the world today that needs to have some truth brought to it, then 100%. I'm going to hop on the air. I'm going to share some truth. And uh, my goal is that I've, I've been focusing on elevating the voices of uh, BIPOC women and two-spirit folks because even understanding, like, the, the privilege of being uh, a man you know, and what comes with that, you know, like this Western society, it, it was uh, built on patriarchy. It was built to, to benefit um, those, uh, those European men, you know, and, and at the fullest, they're the ones that are still calling the shots. You know, I'm at the point in my life where whether I'm doing things on the beat, whether I'm doing things, uh, you know, with my healing through art presentation or music, anything like that, I still come back to that place of being an ally, you know, and and finding out what that means in different ways, right? Yeah, and, you know, and when you think about this Cody Coyote, um, by the way, folks, CodyCoyoteMusic.com is where you can find Two Worlds and other um, releases that he's having here. You're working on a new release here. What was the name of this again? Ah, the new release. So yeah, like I, I uh, you know, I've been working on quite a few different things. Um, I know that like the next one that I'm working on pumping out is actually uh, called Revolution, and uh, it features uh, the game. You know, we we linked on uh, Instagram, and we're we're gonna be you know pumping that out soon, hopefully. Yeah, and and these these new projects that you're working on, and and you know, if if I was if the lines and the borders were clear, I would come up and sit in the audience to listen to what you have to say, because you know the message yeah. seems to be mm, for native people at least a lot of the sim- similar things as when I was young, but yet we have other avenues to to bring that message, and and from what I'm hearing, the message is always bigger than you, Cody, which is to me a good healing. Uh, source, uh, you know, that that the message is always going to be bigger than us. But if we make ourselves bigger than the message, then the message disappears. It walks away. It goes to another person who's more humble with that. So um, is there anything that, that I would really, you know, emphasize if, if, if I was being interviewed by you? What would you emphasize about uh, interview styles that that you do on your radio is it just conversational? Is it do we listen to music? Like you said, it's across the board. But what what is the main interest? Say you're doing this ten years from now, you're still hosting a radio program. What would you say then um, about your plans? Yeah, like I said, just like spinning like indigenous music because uh, 
you know, for where we live, we're the only uh, radio station that's spinning 25% indigenous music on a commercial radio station. And, um, you know, that's that's a big milestone for, for the city that we're in. You know, but, like, understanding that we, we do have a sister station that's in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada, you know, and for me, like, I want to elevate, like, hip-hop. I want to elevate R&B and pop and, and all that type of stuff. But also, you know, just giving, giving hope a platform, right? Like, I, I want to be able to uh, instill that positive message for somebody to get through their day or get through their night, you know, and, and have the hope to move forward to tomorrow, especially during these times, you know. Like, we're, we're living in a global pandemic. Like, the radio is a, a great source for people to just tap in and escape the reality that we're in right now, right? And why not just be able to, to share some positivity with them and ultimately, like, have them feeling good by the end of the night, right? Yeah. Um, wow. You know, I, I feel like you're this philosopher that untapped a little bit, if I can say that. And, and <laughs> just just to talk about some things deep, it's, it's very... Um, I know our experience is, is deep and always has as Native people, but do you feel like the younger generation is, because they said this about us when I was young, that we're forgetting the ways? Mm. You know, it's it's interesting. It's like many many of us believe that we're living in uh, in the eighth fire, right? And that's part of the, the prophecy, the seven fires prophecy, right? Um, the way that I was taught about that really quick is that you know, there was going to be a time where the younger generations were going to go back to the old ways and they were going to bring them back, you know, because they, they've been put asleep because there was a rival of the, the light-skinned race when they came here and they attempted to remove it, you know. So many, you know, many Anishinaabe people, my fellow Anishinaabe people, like we do believe that, yeah, like we're, we're living in this eighth fire, right? We're taking back the culture. We're revitalizing it in different ways, whether it's just having language classes getting together, sharing what we know, you know, putting it down on paper, um, finding different ways to put it online. Like, for sure, for sure, for sure, we are living in that time right now, you know. And some people are more involved, other people aren't there yet, and that's okay. You know, because the fact of the matter is that uh, colonization and what these governments set out to do and what they're still doing, you know, people act as if it's something of the past, they're still doing you know, acts of genocide, like, we we are still healing from that, and that's going to be lifelong healing, the intergenerational healing, you know? Okay. And uh, a part of that is coming back to the culture and coming back to the, the traditional medicine and the traditional ways, because personally, I know it's worked for me, and I know it's been working for other people as well, but every person has their own journey and their own way of finding that healing, right? You can find Cody Coyote on CodyCoyoteMusic.com and listen to, in that area of Ottawa, Ontario, the beat on 95.7 FM and listen to Indigenous music and as a motivational speaker, which I think radio creates these motivational speakers because you want to you want to give medicine to the folks out there and be that medicine and live the medicine so you know I don't think that as as native people we are in trouble because I think if we continue to listen to the earth listen to the earth rather than just a human mind then I think we have that chance that you talk about but it's uh, an honor to have you here Cody and thank you very much once again for agreeing to come on to First Voices Radio Mm, Nahal and Miigwech. You know, Miigwech for having me again. I look forward to connecting uh, later on. 
We're going to go out with two worlds so people kind of get more of an impression of what you were talking about. And thanks again. Awesome. Miigwech. And bon mopi. Yeah.